Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Some of you may notice the muted tones. That's because I'm recording today's episode from my hotel room at the Marriott in Cleveland, Ohio, as I prepare to enjoy the rest of the 2022 Cleveland Challenger on site, of course. So excited to be able to be back at a professional tennis event. There are just nuances you pick up being on the grounds that unfortunately will escape you if you're watching via a live stream and, of course, the opportunity to chat with all of these players, learn their thoughts on the continuing developing stories happening across levels in the professional tennis world, it helps me be exceedingly better at my job. And so immensely grateful to the top-notch management team and everyone here in Cleveland for being so accommodating, for allowing me to come cover this event. Also very much looking forward to emceeing quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals as well. But of course, on this show, what I want to do over the course of the next few days is offer my thoughts from the grounds to offer the tidbits I pick up talking to various players in our off-the-record conversations or on background conversations, I should say. And then, of course, if you check out our Cracked Interviews podcast feed, hopefully provide all of you listeners with direct quotes, direct information from the players themselves. We'll try to talk to as many people, including the Jack Sox of the world who are here all the way through to, of course, familiar favorites returning champions like Will Blumberg who are competing in Cleveland. It should be a really fantastic week of content from our perspective. Again, daily recaps here on the GSP, which will be separate from the mini breaks because there is other action happening, three ATP 250 events. I feel like those are worthy of their own pods. We're going to separate Cleveland here on the Great Shot podcast feed. Again, be on the lookout for interviews to drop on the Cracked Interviews pod over the next couple of days as I try to talk to as many people as I can on the grounds here in Cleveland. Of course, before I get into my thoughts from the grounds, the first thing I would like to express, the first instinct I have, the first thing I want to share with all of you is, A, if you've got local challenger tennis in your area, go watch it. The thing that impressed me most on day one of my time here in Cleveland is that yesterday was a Wednesday. And I would just like to clarify, because that's not any unique piece of information, but it was a Wednesday. There's a winter storm warning here in Cleveland. And, I, you know, again, it sounds like we're going to get some horrible ice tomorrow. And it sounds like tomorrow is going to be a tricky day logistically. But that did not deter a single tennis fan in Cleveland from attending last night's action. Wednesday night was a round of 32 match in, in singles and a round of 16 match in doubles. We had over 200 people at the Cleveland Racquet Club taking in the challenger action. It created a special environment, and certainly it helps to have Jack Sock being the guy on court competing for you. And I'll talk about Sock's performance uh, later on in this show, I promise. But, you know, it just speaks to the community 
that they've built here, the tennis community in Cleveland. That's why they're able to host a WTA-level uh, tournament here in the summer now. It's the investment they've made in this challenger year after year after year. And, you know, it's a testament to the reward you can reap if you put that investment in. So, again, a huge credit to the top-notch crew, Sam Duvall, Kyle Ross, Alex Guthrie. I, there are many more names for me to mention. Those are just the three that come to my mind first because those are the three I work with most closely. But the entire top-notch team, they've killed it. They've gotten this Cleveland community to buy in in that environment last night. That's as special as I've seen for any Challenger match. Again, it helps to have Jack Sock. It helps to have hometown kid and you know son of Tony Godsick, Mary Jo Fernandez, Nico Godsick competing in the doubles that night with a former Junior Slam champion at that in Dom Stricker. But the thing was, so many people came out for the Jack Sock singles match. They also all stayed for the Nico Godsick doubles match, and that's a testament to again the accommodation and just the, the job Top Notch does as host, whether it's the full-fledged bar or, you know, the food of the Cleveland Racquet Club, all of these things, every little detail they nail. So shout out to them. Shout out, by the way, speaking of that bar, here's an anecdote for all of you. One of those things you pick up by being on site at a tournament as opposed to watching via the live stream. I witnessed with my two eyes. This isn't an anecdote, I suppose, or this isn't anecdote would have been a, a poor term here this isn't you know word of mouth this isn't someone told me that they saw this that someone saw that or whatever no 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 no. i saw this one with my own eyes folks so there was a fan who will say and it was a wednesday night so shout out to this fan who got after it i mean the moment they walked in the door we're talking 4 30 straight to the bar and then you know by the time the singles match is done because jack sock ends up going three sets last night with Braden schnurr Let's just say this man was healthily lubricated. This man was feeling himself, enjoying himself. I believe it was a birthday for this fan as well. As such, he and his cohort at the bar enjoying themselves and, you know, again, celebrating accordingly. And, you know, the drinks start coming out. The shots are being bought. And he looks at, you know, this fan looks at a very nice young woman sitting next to him and says, hey, let me buy you and your boyfriend a shot. Well, little does this fan know that her and her boyfriend – Happened to be her and a player still alive in the tournament. Now, that player is going to remain nameless. But that player, you know, at first it's like, I don't know. Are you sure? Like, I I kind of am still alive in the tournament. I'm not sure if I should be doing this. The fan was insistent. He's like, it's my birthday. We're taking shots. You're in. So the player's like, all right, you know what? F it. I don't play until I have a day off here. Uh, let uh, let Let me accommodate you here, fan. And I watched this player rip back-to-back shots just consecutively as if it was nothing. And when I say this was an unexpected player ripping shots, and I'm not saying I'm fully ingrained in the circles. I don't know all of these guys extraordinarily well, but I know them well enough. And to see this player ripping shots with fans, I mean, that's thought number one from the Cleveland Challenger. That shows you what a special event and environment it is that they can get this player to enjoy himself so much that he's now ripping shots with some of the fans who show up. God, you got to love the ATP Challenger Tour. That's just not something you see with quite frequency, you know, with much frequency at a Grand Slam, at a Masters 1000 event, all these different things. I suppose unless you're hanging out at the right bars and, you know, the right players, a.k.a. Nick Kyrgios, who with repeated journalists has showed up and, you know, been found at the bar drinking, all these different things, which, again, to each his own. But, uh, 
It was delightful. It was just I, the smile on my face. I think he saw me see, and he was just kind of like, I don't know what happened here, but I got coaxed into this. I was like, hey, judgment-free zone, my friend. Uh, but it was it was very, very funny uh, to watch and enjoy unfold. And again, speaks to the intimacy of these challenger matches, of these challenger environments. If you have one in your local community, you might as well go check it out, folks, because not only is the level of tennis outstanding, but again, you actually get the chance to interact with these players, to speak with them. I can't tell you the number of people who went up to Jack Sock and you know wanted to ask him questions, in particular the young kids. And I will continue to have this argument, and I've made this argument uh, in the past. I think Jack Sock is the biggest draw right now in American men's tennis, and I think that's above Fritz and you know, Pelka and Tiafo and Paul and Brooksby. Although Brooksby's pretty close amongst the tennis hardcore fans, I think if you're asking right now, you know, again the the nerds the. Uh, dare I say, listeners of this podcast. By the way, we re- nerd has a negative connotation. We're going to change that here at Crack Records. The tennis nerds out here who are listening, we are we are strong and we are unified. I promise all of you. But short of the tennis nerds who love Brooksby, there is just a captivating aspect of his game because of how different it is from everyone else's. But outside of him, and I got the chance to see him play at the City Open, and I thought crowds loved him. I think Sock's the second biggest draw. Like, I really uh, – excuse me. I think Sock's the biggest draw, like, more so than Isner. Just he's very identifiable, very engaging, obviously, is going to make fun of himself, is going to gesture to the crowd, is going to get into a, a tussle or two with the line judge. Just a very captivating match. And, you know, of course, at the challenger level, you don't have shot spot. You don't have instant replay. And so if Jack didn't like a call, it's a quick live poll of the crowd he's looking at. And he'll go to the crowd and say, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? And that sort of engagement. I mean, fans – are gravitate towards it. And so I really do think Jack Sock right now is the biggest draw in all of American men's tennis. I just think he puts butts in the seats. And whether it's singles, whether it's doubles, people want to watch him play. But you know who I wanted to watch play heading into day one of my time at the Cleveland Challenger? And this is where I will start my assessment of the tennis folks, I promise, is Dom Stricker, who, when I say blew me away in my first time watching him play in person, that might be you know, I, I am not shy in using hyperbole to make a point here. That still may be selling him short of how impressed I was with Dom Stricker yesterday. And, of course, for those of you unfamiliar with Stricker, the 19-year-old, the former junior French Open champion, I believe he wins that title back in 2020, the lefty currently number 204 in the rankings entering the week. Of course, you look at what he was able to accomplish over these past 52 weeks. In particular, last week, knocks off Sandgren in three sets, Kozlov in three sets, gets a withdrawal from Sock before knocking off Rodionov in three sets and falling in the Columbus Challenger final to Yoshihito Nishioka. Of course, that's the second Challenger final for Stricker in his last 52 weeks, second challenger final for him in his career as well as last March. He ended up winning the Lugano challenger in his challenger, or I believe the second main draw he'd ever played at a challenger. And of course, you look for Dom Stricker, 19 years old, 204 in the world. That's the progress you'd like to have at this point. But, you know, more impressively, 34 and 22 in his last 52 weeks of playing. This is not someone who played a ton of pro tennis prior to the start of last year. In fact, had played a grand total of 10 matches 
on the pro circuit up to the start of last season was 5-5, five and five, by the way, in those pro matches, all of them happening at the 25 or 15K level. And then, you know, last season, things slowly began to take off. And certainly, you win a Junior French Open Championship, you're going to get more wild cards into higher level events. That's how he gets a wild card, you know, into that Lugano Challenger that he goes on to win and, you know, gets a couple of wild cards into some ITF events as well because certainly didn't have the ranking on his own to get in. And then he wins that challenger in Lugano. And now all of a sudden things open up for him. Gets a wild card into the ATP event in Geneva where he beats Chilich and beats Fucevic before getting knocked out of the quarterfinals there. Then goes on to the ATP event in Stuttgart on the grass. Beats Elbot, beats Hercots before getting knocked out by eventual finalist Sam Query. Now, you know, outside of that summer run or, you know, late spring run where he wins Lugano, quarterfinals Geneva, quarterfinals Stuttgart, there were certainly some ups and downs for him throughout the course of last season. Plenty of first match losses, which, by the way, you look for a twenty, or excuse me, for a nineteen-year-old kid, eighteen-year-old kid playing his first uh, full season of ATP events. You're allowed to lose six first-round matches. You're allowed to, you know, lose a couple of weeks in a row, as he does in Gestad at the Trice Challenger, and you know, you know, down the home stretch of the season, you know, a couple first rounds, then out in second-round matches. That's okay when you're at this point of your career for Dom Stricker. But what was so impressive, again, in his first season on the job, the fact that he was able, you know, to go 27-19 and 19 overall and make not just win that challenger title, but then, you know, Biel at the end of the year makes the semifinals there. Akental uh, at the end of the year makes the quarterfinals there and just slowly began to make his move and, you know, put himself in a position to play Grand Slam qualifying already at this point of his career. And, you know, certainly he gets a win at Australian Open qualifying this year before losing second round to Ebden. That's one you imagine he's a little bit disappointed in. But, you know, credit to him for them coming right back to America and getting back on that challenger swing and, you know, right away qualifies in Columbus or, you know, gets into Columbus and doesn't receive a wild card on this occasion, but beats, you know, again, Sandgren. Sock in three, uh, Sangren Kozlov in three sets, and then you know three and over Rodionov to make that final in Columbus as well. And certainly, we're noticing a type indoor hard courts seems to bring out the best in Stricker's game. But you know, again, from a results standpoint, pretty difficult uh, to to be upset with anything we see from the young Swiss player. And of course, you look at the numbers for him, holding 82.5% of the time, winning 75% of his first serve points uh, here in 2022. You look for him overall last 52 weeks, you know, the splits makes 58% of his first serves. That number needs to be higher, but he's also winning 75.8% of his first serve points, he's holding 82.4% of the time. You look for those numbers in terms of how they would compare over the last 52 weeks on the ATP stats leaderboard. That that hold percentage uh, for Stricker would be higher than the average right now amongst ATP players. Again, 82.4 uh, for him. The average amongst top 50 players right now, 81.8. Now, the break percentage certainly does need some work for Stricker, and you look for him over these last 52 weeks. Uh, he is, you know, the average of the top 50, 23.8. He's at 19%, and that gets me into my breakdown of his tennis. So yesterday, 3-6, 6-3, 6-4 victory over Emilio Nava. What was I so impressed about from the young man's game? Simply put, the plus one tennis, being on his front foot, absorbing, redirecting pace, just all aspects of the tennis 
that's not an issue for Dom Stricker. Watching him not only snap forehands, because he's not the biggest guy. He's like six foot, six one, maybe. I don't think he's six two. I think he's maybe six one lefty, you know, two handed backhand. But his ability to put pop on the serve, whether it's the slice wide on the ad side or slice T on that ad side or just, you know, flat T on that ad side into your body. He he's a spot server who hits with power as well. And just, you know, ad side or do side slice T was so effective yesterday against Emilio Nava in particular, hitting the slice T to set up the plus one inside out forehand, which he it's not a heavy topspin forehand. It's a straight line drive, slap and drive from Stricker to follow it in. I mean, it's just a special play. It's a top 100 plus one ball already. He has the weapon to play on his term, the field to play on his term in his service games already, which again, for a 19-year-old, uh, I'm telling you, it would translate to the ATP level right now. I'm, I'm very, very certain about that. And it's just the ease with which he absorbs and redirects pace. And the biggest difference between him and Emilio Nava yesterday, and yeah, there was a slow start and it took Stricker a second to adjust to the pace of the ball Emilio Nava hits. And boy, does everything explode off the racket of Emilio Nava. We'll get to him in a second. But you look for Dom Stricker, it was just, again, his ability to get keep his momentum moving forward in the court and how condensed his backswings are. And despite how heavy Nava's hitting the ball, you know, not only is Stricker doing a better job of absorbing, redirecting that play, pace, whether it be down the line, whether it be cross court, but then, you know, the difference in this was Stricker could go from defense to offense. He could absorb, redirect that pace, or he could inject his own pace into the match off of the pace of Emilio Nava, and Nava couldn't match that. You know, if you brought, you know, if you got Nava on his back foot, if you were able to with, withstand a couple of his first strikes, uh, you you know, as Stricker was able to do, Nava would generate the air. And I think when we look at Emilio Nava, that's going to be the thing because clearly he's got the power, the plan A, to hang with many different people, to have the weapons, to do damage against opponents regardless of what that opponent's game plan is and yet against a player like Stricker who can not only absorb and redirect that pace but then inject his own into the match that's what you know Nava needs to figure out plan A plan B plan C right now for Emilio Nava all involve hitting through his opponent needs to learn to hit around them needs to learn to you know again create openings for himself I think a bit easier uh, make that process a bit easier but I mean again credit to Stricker who just absorbs and redirects with ease and, you know, only gets, uh, faces three breakpoint chances in the match, fights off two of them. His only time he was broken was in that first set. And, you know, again, for Stricker, you could see him slowly begin to get a better read on the Emilio Nava serve. And just, you know, for Stricker, who, look, I mean, here's the downside right now. And I say this affectionately. This is not body shaming. Everyone can look however they choose to look. But Stricker's not athletic, doesn't have an athletic body right now. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's still got, you know, kid fat. Like, he's still got his child fat, his child chubbiness. And, like, he just hasn't transformed into an athlete yet. He hasn't, you know, again, at 19 years old, that's completely acceptable. But, you know, you just feel like there's a world of dieting for Dom Stricker that right away, 5, 10 pounds off the edges, and you're just that much more fit. And then it's the muscle training because instinctually – Boy, does Stricker anticipate well and his ability to hit the on the on the stretch slide and just you know guide that ball back to neutral and just you know kind of throw nothingness at you. That neutralizing ball, how many times? And since everyone seems to think he's the smartest man in tennis, how many times do you see the mat racket? Oh, he needs to work on the bump chip or the chip, which is a discussion for another time and reverence. It will do that a different time, but like you know, just be. <laughs> 
I mean, I think sometimes just because Matt Rackett says it, people take it as word of law. And it's like Matt Rackett could point out like, man, Rafa hits a really good inside out forehand. And everyone would be like, dude, I never thought of it like that. Oh, my God, Matt Rackett says he hits a good inside out forehand. He must hit a good inside out forehand. Like, all right. Let's relax, people, on the Matt Willis assessments. But anyways, um, you know, in terms of – and by the way, major platform envy from me to him. I'm a big fan of Matt Rackett, just not – all the, uh, points aside, all of that being, um, you look for the stricker. It's his ability to, to neutralize that ball, to slice, absorb, and just, again, get things back to zero. And then the moment you give him something neutral, the moment there's a bit of a lull in your mindset, he's going to jump on it. He's going to take that ball early on the rise, attack. And again, from a tennis perspective, the feel, how condensed his ground strokes are, all of the above. Stricker's got it. Whatever that it is, whatever that quality you need, you know, blessed with one of those rubber shoulders or blessed with one of those gifted wrists. It's very Jack Sock-esque. Like, I don't think that's a horrible comparison for Dom Stricker. Obviously, he's a lefty, and I think Sock plays with a little bit more topspin, whereas Strick's a bit, Stricker's a bit more line drive, but the feel they both have. And again, Stricker's ability to anticipate, and yeah, you know, sometimes those on-the-run slices that he has great feel for and, you know, produce neutral balls in the rally when he's hitting it most effectively, sometimes they do hang short, and sometimes you can get him on the run. And when Nava got him on the run, that was when Stricker looked like a 19-year-old because, again, athletically, laterally, he's not where he needs to be to be the top 50, top 25, 30 sort of players that his weapons and his field dictate that he can be at some point. But, man, is he working his way there. And I'm just telling you, whether it was watching him in the doubles at night with Nico Godzik, they took on Watanuki and I'm forgetting who, who the partner was, but Stricker was the best player on the court, and it was so by by such a comfortable margin that ultimately Stricker kind of looked at Nico and said, oh, you want to win this? All right, I got you. Like, don't worry, Nico. Just make your serve. Put your return in play. I will do the rest. And Stricker was able to do it. And, like, again, there's a fine line of kids 20 and younger who are able to pull that sort of thing off. And you can just tell from a tennis perspective how comfortable Dom Stricker is playing at this level. There's no pace. There's no... Well, I guess there is fitness that that can throw him off, but there, there's nothing from a tennis perspective opponents can do other than blast balls into the corners, which, like, if you can do that, you can beat anyone. But short of a top-level performance, short of, short of having those elite weapons or, like, Nishioka, the elite point construction to or to point out and to, uh, to attack Stricker's biggest weakness, which, again, remains that movement, short of that ability, he's going to break you down. He's going to out-tennis you because, again, he's comfortable. Volleyer likes to move forward, likes to hit the overhead, will go big down the line. I'm all in on Don Stricker, all in. I know I tweeted this out. It's seeing him play in person one time. But when you know, you know. And just from a tennis perspective, Don Stricker was the single most impressive player I saw yesterday. He was better at the tennis stuff than anyone else in the field. So, man, credit to Stricker. 3-6-6-3-6-4 win over Emilio Nava. I do want to do quick two minutes on Emilio Nava because, of course, you look, the former junior Australian Open boys finalist, had a pretty good year last season, got up to a new career high, number 318 in the uh, in the professional rankings, currently 325 as of this recording. And again, 20 years old, doesn't turn 21 until the start of December. Nava went 34-17. and 17. Last year and experienced, you know, a bunch of success across levels in particular. You know, he was not a guy 
who I don't I think he got a sing, I think he got maybe one wild card last season. Yeah, I got one wild card into uh, into the U.S. Open. Got some wild cards down the home stretch of the season at the Challenger level here in America. But you look for him. You know, starts out the year in Los Palmas and has to play qualifying back to back at the challenger level. Does now loses first round of those challenger events in both matches, but qualifies there, earns that experience. And what does he do with that experience? He goes and plays a 15K the next week. He goes and wins it. Then goes off to Miami qualifying where he gets a qualifying wild card, qualifies in Miami before losing first round to Miami, uh, to Lloyd Harris. But again, Wins the Futures match, tries to go up a level, has to go through qualifying, succeeds in qualifying before first-round losses, doesn't let it deter him. Goes back to the 25K level, makes another final. Goes back to the Challenger level, qualifies, makes his first quarterfinal. Then round of 16 in Prague, you know, and quarterfinals in Charlottesville, quarterfinals in Knoxville as well. Last year was an unequivocal step up for Emilio Navin. You look at the numbers for him, you know, Still some work to be done. I, I think you look for Nava, you see you know, the 79.4% hold percentage, 22.2% break percentage. You don't see anything jump out as particularly elite, right? You look for Dom Stricker, who at 19 years old is already holding serve at a better clip than the average top uh, 50 player. And I know you've got to adjust for competition, but what that shows you is you, know, you adjust for challenge. If that's the average of the top 50 ATP players, you imagine the average of the top 50 challenger level players is, is similar, if not lower, than for those top 50 players. And that Stricker is already above that metric. That's indicative of his prowess on serve. You don't have a glaring metric like that for Emilio Nava. Uh, that's where the eye test comes into play. And I'm telling you, folks, go watch a ball come off his strings. Go watch the ball just rip through the court, the action, the heaviness of his forehand. And, you know, again, I, I think he moves pretty well. I think he's got a pretty solid serve. The action on his kick serve is impressive. You know, Stricker hits a flatter serve, and I think Stricker hits his spots better than Emilio Nava does uh, on the serve. But watching the Nava forehand, uh, serve kick through the court, he hit this one ad side kick, I think it was at 2-1 or 1-2 in that third set, where just like Stricker was like, damn. Like you could see Dom Stricker, who obviously is not phased by much tennis because respectfully to everyone, he's looked at everyone his whole life and just been like, eh, I'm better than you. Eh, I'm the top junior in the world. Eh, I'm the junior French Open champion. The ball you hit, I'm not afraid of. And, you know, I whatever. You can do whatever you want. I'm better than you. And then Stricker saw this kick serve, and he looks at his coach, and he just kind of goes like, oh, that was pretty good. He's like, that's a pretty good ball. We should probably learn how to hit that. And it was just one of those game-recognizes game moments that just from a body language perspective, again, you can only pick up when you are in person. And by the way, another thing I picked up in person, anyone who's complaining about the Tsitsipas coaching box or anyone who thinks coaching doesn't happen point in, point out, match in, match out across levels in the pro tennis world, like the only place it doesn't happen is maybe at the ITF level because you can't afford to bring a coach with you. But I promise you, if you have a coach on site, at some point in the match he's trying to coach you. And we'll get to the Jack Sock match. Boy, I believe he's now coached by Alex Bogomolov Jr. What a coaching performance by Bogey in, in the box. I was sitting next to him. Bravo. And by the way, Schnur's camp doing the exact same thing. And Stricker's camp. I mean, it was different because they were speaking a language I am not familiar with. I assure you, it was more than just pick up your energy. Let's go. Because there would be patterns Stricker would hit. And then you would hear, you know, a couple of sentences coming out of the Stricker coaching box about that pattern. And you would see some hand gestures that seemed to indicate, hey, we like this trend that you're going. Here's some other tips we have for you. All these players are doing it. 
all these coaches are doing it. So, like, this is why I'm pro-coaching in, in pro-tennis. Let's just formalize it. Let's allow it. Who cares if they're being, oh, but, but the individual, the boxer, the challenge, like Rafa figuring out how to break Medvedev. Do you think Juan Carlos Ferrero, not Juan Carlos Ferrero, excuse me, but do you think Carlos Moya and just the entire Nadal team wasn't muttering things to him throughout the course of the match and just making their little points? And, you know, again, like, yeah, Rafa figured a lot of that stuff out on his own. But... I don't think and, – and I think he would have continued to even if you remove coaches from the situation. Don't let them sit courtside. But like – or we could put these players in a position where they are best in a position to succeed. Every sport – you know, golfers, you have your caddies. Boxers, you go back to your corner. Everyone else has formalized coaching and made it acceptable. I don't think you lose a single aspect of the individuality and the problem-solving associated with tennis by incorporating coaching moving forward. Anyways, all that is to say is on the grounds – that's what you notice. Everyone, everyone is coaching their player out on court. But, you know, again, if I could have said anything to Emilio Nava, keep swinging, keep getting, you know, I would say 75% ball into the outer thirds. It's fine that 75% ball that, you, that you're not going to miss wide. You're not going to miss long because certainly it felt like there were times when Nava would be pressing and that pressing would subsequently lead to, a, you know, a plethora of errors from him. And so, yeah, it, it's a, it's... You know, I, I really like the talent for Nava. Certainly, you look at the results. Last year was a big year of growth for him, qualifying for all of those challengers, getting into some ATP main draws. He's now better positioned himself, certainly, to receive some wild cards here in 2022. But I'll tell you what, Stricker, Nava, two guys, you know, one Junior Slam finalist, the other a Junior Slam champion. That's why I'm here, folks. That would I circled that match right away at the start of the day, and I wasn't going to miss a second of it. Credit to Nava at the start, whose power just it took a second for Stricker to adjust to, but then Stricker did adjust and just, man, is the 20-year-old extraordinarily talented. So looking forward to seeing him play throughout the rest of this weekend. I will continue to offer you updates, things that I see from him on the court. Looking forward to seeing Emilio Nava compete more in the future as well. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. What a rapid fire here down the home stretch of my day one observations because that was the match I was most locked into. Of course, I suppose inherently I was locked in to the Jack Sock match. He earns a three-set win over Braden Schnurr. I mean, you don't learn anything new about Jack Sock's game at this point, and credit to him who he test positive for COVID last week, getting into that, you know, was about to play a quarterfinal match against Dom Stricker. And someone asked me on Twitter, I can report it here now, I have permission from the top-notch staff. Yes. Why was Jack Sox's first-round match not played until Wednesday? It was so that the five days uh, for him, he would have that additional time to shed the coronavirus and, you know, potentially, hopefully test negative by the time it was time for him to play. And, you know, thankfully, that's precisely what happens. He, you know, test positive last week going into those quarterfinals and you know, was able to test negative here this week and thus able to play in this event. And credit to Top Notch for accommodating him and allowing, you know, I'm sure if you're Braden Schnurr, you're a bit frustrated. You're like, I waited here until Wednesday to play a first-round match. Like, you're going to screw me out of everyone else in this tournament. I'm the one who gets screwed. That feels a bit unfair, and you can understand the sentiment for him there. But, yeah, no, I mean, look, Sock was awful 
in the first set of this match. Looked like someone who hadn't done anything over the past five days and was clearly trying to recover from some sort of sickness because, respectfully, Sock was not 100% fit. Like, in how many times have we said that in his career? Way too many. But this time, you can understand why, is what I'm saying. And he just came out a little sluggish at the start. And, you know, Schnur breaks him right away, and the errors begin to pile up. And, you know, Sock's throwing his racket and getting frustrated. And, you know, all of a sudden, it's, you know, 6-2 first set Schnur. And by the way, Brayden does not win this match. Schnur is fit. He has gotten skinny. He has lost the baby fat. He he is, you know, he's put on the muscle. He's hitting a big ball, taking everything early on the rise. I actually really liked the way Braden Schnur played in this match. But credit to Jack Sock, who made this match then about more than just the tennis. And, look, there were some calls for both players. You can understand the frustration because they were bad. They were very, very bad. I mean, there is one umpire who will remain nameless who missed like four in a row, like four in a row. And it wasn't even, it wasn't even close. Like four bad ones in a row within the same, it was like that eight deuce game or nine deuce game or something crazy like that. It was a long Braden Schnur service game. And there's a couple calls she missed. And like that happens throughout the course of a, of a, of a, of a match. Like inevitably, it's so difficult. These players are hitting the ball massively, but like there were a couple bad misses, we'll say, and just a couple of, like, there was, and there was also a light call that just, I mean, I don't know how the chair misses that. Like, it, the ball visibly bounces up off the net. You can hear the tick, and the chair misses it. And Sock, let's just say it angered him. And I actually think that anger proved healthy for Sock because it just seemed to focus him. It seemed to make him invest in the match and say, okay, I am not losing in this fashion. Fine. Braden, you can beat me. But let me at least raise my level. Let me get my feet engaged. Let me find my footwork. Let me find my first serve. Let me, you know, mix in the slice and the dice and the all the different things that make Jack Sock Jack Sock. Because, of course, fundamentally for Sock, the serve, the forehand, his ability to find that forehand in any part of the ad corner and then, you know, track down that on-the-run forehand when you try to question and, you know, try to take advantage of the space – that requires a high degree of difficulty to execute, right? The fitness for Sock it takes and all of these different aspects of it. But, hey, man, credit to Jack Sock, who found his level, who found enough big forehands, made enough returns in the court, you know, gets a late break of Schnur in that second set to kind of get himself going and then came out firing, really, at the start of the third, just gets an early break and kind of rides it the rest, or I think they trade breaks, honestly, and then he gets an early break to ride it the rest of the way. And, you know, credit to Schnur, who didn't go away, who faced match points, but ends up holding for 3-5 in that second set and forcing Sock to serve it out. But, Credit to Jack, who it ends up going to do, and he ends up fighting off a break point or two, I believe, but ultimately ends up winning the match. Now, tough one for Braden Schnur. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, and I, I felt the pain for him. I just, again, because he played well enough to win the match. He outplayed Jack Sock in that match, and he looked, again, his game looked better than the last time I saw him play in person here in Cleveland, whether it was last year, two years ago. I don't remember exactly, but hey, man, credit to Sock. 29 years old would be very easy for you know to wonder where's the motivation why don't I just ride wild cards the rest of the way because he'll get a wild card into just about anything he wants to play I said this at the top I think he's the biggest draw in American men's tennis you know you look for him though over the last season uh, what I think has been so impressive for Sock has been his commitment to say you know what I'm going to go play challenger matches. You know what? I'm going to get my singles rankings back up into the top 100 on my own merit so I don't have to rely on wild card after wild card after wild card. And, of course, Sock could just go play doubles if he wanted to. And I think, 
you know, talking to other people in Team Sock and the people around him, he's well aware of that fact. But I think his thing is, why do that now? I can go do that in two years. I can go do that in three years. For Sock, his serve, his forehand, his hands at the net, they're not going anywhere. They're going to age well. He's definitely got a 10-year only double span in him, maybe from ages like 35 to 44. I could see Sock just hanging out and playing all those. And again, country club sort of, oh, I'll show up for the slams and I'm going to make quarterfinals and doubles and be just fine. But he hasn't done that in singles, and he's shown a commitment. You look for him 25 and 16 over the last 52 weeks. You know, I think what's most impressive is that 27 of those 41 matches have come at the challenger level. And he's 18 and 9 at the challenger level. And, you know, you look for him at the end of last season. He plays Charlottesville. He plays Knoxville. You look for him this season. He plays Columbus, plays Cleveland. He wants to get back in that top 100. There's no denying that. He wants to do it on his own merits as well. You know, it was disappointing for him last week, certainly, because he had made the quarterfinals and was ready for what should have been a really fun matchup against Stricker before testing positive for COVID. And, you know, what I have learned on the grounds here is, you know, Sock was really frustrated with himself because, or was frustrated with the whole scenario because he was asymptomatic and he was feeling well enough to continue to play. And, you know, there was a world where, he, it was funny because for vaccinated players on the ATP Challenger Tour, yes, you have to test, but it's not entirely mandatory. Um, I mean, there are time, you know, again, that's their way of saying too many people are testing positive right now, and that's a discussion for a separate time. But Sock made this. He said, yeah, I'll test. I feel fine. Like, it should be fine. And then he tests positive. And, like, again, that's where testing comes into play because God knows how many players would have been pulled out of this draw. We wouldn't have a stricker. We wouldn't have all these different people if we were unaware that Sock – had tested positive. But, you know, again, for him to could have just thrown this this Ohio swing away and said, you know what, I'll, I'll regroup, refocus, get healthy for Dallas. He didn't do that. He came back here to play Cleveland. And not only do the fans appreciate it, and they showed up in spades to appreciate that, uh, but I think he's working his way back into form. I mean, look, the serve of the forehand are top 50. Like, Jack Sox feel on the court, the power with which he plays, the athleticism he brings for someone who is not in elite shape – like, it's a joke. The guy belong again, I actually think there's a lot of comps between him and Dom Stricker. Um, but the talent is so evident. And why do people enjoy watching Jack Sock play? Because of that talent, because of how captivating he is as a performer. Again, for Sock, three-set win over Braden Schnur. Tough loss for Schnur. Last last ones here. I said rapid fire. I ended up going eight minutes on Saka. I apologize for that. Ernesto Escobedo, three-set win over Nicola Kuhn, six seven seven five four love retirement from Kuhn. Look, Escobedo's refound his form. Like, he's not back up to number 67 in the world as he was in 2017 when he was 21 years old. But you look for Ernesto over these last 52 weeks, 38 and 24. And he's doing the things he once did elite, elitely again, just with the improvements in his fitness, his footwork, him being healthy once more. He's just able to find more plus one forehands. And God willing, by the end of this tournament, I'll find a way to capture the sound that comes off of Ernesto's racket when he connects properly with a forehand because... I'm not saying that's what sex sounds like, but I'm not saying that's not what sex sounds like. It's just, it's as good as it gets, folks. I mean, some people really like rain, right? Like the sound of rain on the window helps you go to sleep. Man, for me, it's the sound of the Escobedo forehand. It's just, that's the pop you're supposed to hear. That's what the ball should sound like when it's coming off the strings. Again, I think he's moving really well. And you always wonder for Ernesto Escobedo, for a guy who doesn't move extraordinarily well, how does he have the success that he does? And it's just because of the weight of his ball. It's so heavy. If he connects with it cleanly, even if he's in a disadvantageous position on the court, just like 
good luck playing with aggression off of the Escobedo forehand because of how heavy and how much action there is. And I think his core positioning has gotten much better. He's standing, you know, because he has always had a big backswing on that forehand. And so, you know, sometimes he's seated some ground in the court. That's no longer the case. He's just behind or on top of that baseline, at least was against Nicola Kuhn. And, you know, Ernesto, California kid, not a guy who's played a ton of outdoor tennis, uh, indoor tennis in his career. You know, you look at him just these last 52 weeks, 38 and 24, but even more, you know, specific than that, you look for him since the start of the summer, quarterfinals in Los Cabos, you know, round of 64 in Indian Wells, semifinals Lexington Challenger, quarterfinals Las Vegas Challenger, Challenger title in in Bendigo, and, you know, gets in as a lucky loser to the Australian Open main draw. Now Columbus Challenger quarterfinals, three-set loss to Brooksby, into the uh, Cleveland Challenger quarterfinals, where he's going to play last week's finalist, Dom Stricker. This is just what it looks like when you're sending back up the rankings. And I'll tell you what, Ernesto, 25 years old, he's got the power to be a top 100 player, and certainly looks like that fitness has finally come along with him. He's holding serve better than he has ever has before as well, holding serve 81.3% of the time overall, but 83.3% on hard courts. Again, that number would be uh, better than average amongst top 50 players. Also breaking serve 23.3%, which was something he struggled with early in his career, but that speaks to, again, how he's condensed his ground strokes and just, you know, again, the improved fitness as well. He's less susceptible to the plus one ball because the return of serve is better, but also because he has taken strides as a mover. Uh, but that that's my take on Escobedo, who's got Stricker next. That match Friday, oh my God, all in. I, I promise you, I'll be watching that from first ball to last. Uh, a couple other, uh, you know, a couple other guys. We're going to rapid fire through here. Blumberg, healthy, skinny, playing well. He and Max Schner are just better at doubles. And it was really fun watching them play uh, the team from Case Western last night. But, you know, Blumberg did not play well against Kiroz in match number one. Just played so tentative. And you could tell Will was, you know, after he wins that first set, isn't broken. His serve, his forehand, the biggest weapons on the court. He just got nervous. Like, he got tentative. He, you know, played a really bad tiebreaker. Went down 5-1. Ends up fighting back only to drop it 9-7 in that second set to Kiroz. And then goes down 4-1 in that third set only to rip off five straight games and ultimately take it 6-4. And you could just tell when Blumberg got down like that, it was just kind of like, you know what? Why am I playing so tentatively? Why am I not swinging freely? And then he started to swing freely, and ultimately it worked. Credit to Blumberg. Uh, he advances. He's got Emilio Gomez today. You get the Cousins. You get the Trojans back-to-back. Heroes Gomez. I'll be locked in on that. In terms of everyone else, you always forget how freaking huge all the legs are for pro tennis players until you see them all in person. I mean, like... That's why they move like they move. That's why they're better than we are because they've all got, I mean, massive calves, massive quads, thick Like I don't know how else to say it. Like that's – it's just real, folks. That's what an athlete's body is and most normal humans unfortunately don't have that. And you talk about non-normal humans. I mean – man, watching Michael Moe take three strides to cover the entire length of the baseline – it's just a joke. Like you just forget how talented Michael Moe can be and just how athletically gifted he is, how big he hits the serve. Really excited to watch him play sock here today on Thursday or tomorrow, excuse me, on Thursday. Great to see a fellow AG, Lexi Galarno. He looks fit. He looks healthy. He's taking on Liam Brody. I think that's a match Galarno wins. Like I think that's the perfect match because Brody doesn't have that overwhelming weapon. But that relentless aggression and the pace, you know, or relentless pace, and I just think Galarno in a matchup of feel, I think that's going to be a really fun one, although great win for Brody to knock off J.J. Wolf on day number one. 
Oh, by the way, who did Watanuki play with? I think he played with Uchiyama yesterday, and it's Uchiyama Nishioka is our final round of 16 match on Thursday. Nishioka coming off of a title last week. Got to see him play a little bit in doubles. Just talk about the nicest human in the world. I, You know, this is really stupid. We are all at – I'm at the, team, the player hotel, the Marriott, and I think I rode the elevator with Nishioka like each time I was in the elevator yesterday, and – the man has never not been smiling. Just the kindest human in the world. Uh, but those are my observations from my first day in Cleveland. Again, ice storm, winter storm, allegedly ahead. I'm going to do my best to survive that, you know, maneuver, negotiate all of those things. But then, of course, as well, want to continue to offer you all updates each and every day. So we're going to do that here on the Great Shot podcast feed. Be on the lookout for continued updates. Of course, also look out for the mini break podcast feed where we'll have conversations on what else is happening across the tennis world ita uh, ita kickoff weekend recaps we already did the women's tuesday uh thursday night for the men that's gonna be 7 p.m eastern time on our youtube channel of course you'll be able to catch that recap podcast here tomorrow as well all of that said shout out as always to our super producer daniel wasoff for the of an earning job he does day in day out making all of this content possible you miss out on anything it's all available on our website, CrackedRackets.com. With all of that said, for my fantastic super producer, Daniel Westhoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece with nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.